ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, Australia's only Liberal Premier, Jeremy Rockliffe, has announced that Tasmania will go to an election on March the 23rd. That's more than a year earlier than planned. After weeks of uncertainty, Premier Rockliffe said a meeting of Liberal Party MPs on uh, yesterday delivered a unanimous decision that an early election was the only way forward, and he outlined his reasons for the decision. I'm not going to allow myself or my government to be held to ransom for the next 12 months. It's bad for Tasmania and it's bad for Tasmanians. So I've taken the decision to call an election. Well, yes, I mean, the, the, the base story, of course, is that Mr Rockliffe doesn't have the numbers anymore because of defections from his party. The Tasmanian Liberals were triumphant on election night back in May 2021, promising to deliver certainty and stability, winning an unprecedented third term in office as a majority government. But now the leaders changed as of many MPs, the government's in minority, and the Premier's called an election a year early. So what's going on? Joining us for Nightlife News Breakdown tonight, Karen Middleton, Chief Political Correspondent for The Saturday Paper. Um, Karen, good evening to you. Welcome back to Nightlife. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. Well, not a surprise in lots of ways, is it? I mean, Mr Rockliffe was threatening this uh, over the last couple of weeks. The coalition in Tassie and federally will be hoping that the ALP won't have all the states locked up. But um, the problem is that he he's, he lacks the numbers there now, doesn't he? Yes, and he, he sort of got himself into a staring contest with a couple of ex-Liberals who had defected from his party and gone to the crossbench. And he said, look, I want you to sign an agreement that you won't go and support Greens or Labor amendments or motions in the parliament for the next year until the election. And they wouldn't give it. And he said, if you don't give it, I'll go to an election. And when they stared each other down and he blinked. So the, the, the election is, is the result. And it's going to be an interesting one because the, the parliament in Tasmania is increasing in size by 10 members from 25 to 35. So... Whenever it was coming, it was an interesting election, and now it's coming a year early. So we'll watch with oh, interest. In- oh, it's increasing in size at this coming election, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, and yeah. So it's going to be quite the interesting election. And as you say, it's the last Liberal Party bastion across the country because every other state and territory has gone Labor and federally. So you know, we'll, we may see the Liberals return. That would be. You know, that will be hard for them because they've already had, you know, a series of, of as we had just, as you just said, a series of um, terms in office and they've had a bit of tumult and changes of leader. Uh, or we may see wall to wall Labor governments. Um, and then how well does that go? Sometimes we, mm. we see a bit of a, a pushback at the federal level if all the states are Labor or all the states are Liberal. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's an interesting yeah. dynamic. Is there, any, uh, is there any indication so far, polling or otherwise, which suggests how it might turn out? I haven't looked at polling, but there's certainly been a lot of grumbling about some big issues in Tasmania, um, not least the proposal for a new football stadium. You know, you might remember. Yeah, it's a big the, issue for them down there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the, the Taswegians, well, you, you're you from there. You're, yes. You're, I'm sure, very familiar. <laughs> the, Tas, the Taswegians are looking at um, trying to get an AFL team up and the condition of that from the Football League was that they have to build their own stadium the Premier became quite unpopular with his agreement to do that. So that's one of the things that has caused some division. And then the Marinus link, which is that sort of communications and power link to Victoria. 
some concern about that as well. So a couple of big issues that have really divided the community, and you you don't want that when you're a when you're a premier going to an early poll with a minority government situation. Yes, it's. Um, I mean, it has. It's true. I mean, the the, the stadium, <laughs> the stadium issue. It's fair to say, has plenty of. I mean, it's got plenty of supporters as well as detractors. It's got some high profile detractors, but uh, it also has plenty of supporters as well. Um, I mean, the same with the Marinus Link as well as as Tassie fight, fights to, to decide what it wants to be. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a important thing for a you know. It's because it's a small community, isn't it? Half a million million people or more, not much more. And uh, they're desperately in need of economic and other development. And, in fact, federally here, Phil, you know, there's often a grumble and a gripe that Tasmania has 12 senators and, you know, here I am in the ACT. The ACT complains that it only has two and uh, that the Tasmanians get more than their fair share. So, you know, Tasmania's fighting on all fronts really, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that is true. Uh, look, back on the federal government, and uh, and this issue is hurting the government, you'd think. The coalition again took to the Albanese government today in Parliament on the issue of community safety. Uh, and Andrew Giles, the immigration minister, is under a lot of pressure, and perhaps rightly so. Deputy Opposition Leader Susan Lay started the parliamentary, parliamentary day by, call, by saying the Albanese government needed a, quote, date with the truth and called for Immigration Minister Andrew Giles to be sacked. Well, look, I know these are opposition claims, but still, the Minister's been under scrutiny since the release of 149 migrants, many of whom had criminal convictions following a High Court decision which found that indefinite detention was unlawful. Now, it's a bit of a mess for the government, but they really haven't improved things by making something of a mess of it themselves, it would seem. The government has the power to ask a court to lock up former detainees if there's a high probability they'll commit another serious offence. Not one application has been lodged. Uh, This is despite the fact that a number of these uh, uh, people who were detained and who were released have uh, gone on to commit serious offences. Now, Minister Giles nevertheless says, oh no, proper processes were followed. I reassure the House that we are preparing applications and we are making sure as evidence and Senate estimates made clear that we are putting in place the resources and the processes to get it right because it is in no-one's interest to have a half-baked application that doesn't succeed. Gee, they've been running behind, behind this issue for the entire time, haven't they, Karen? Yeah, so it's interesting, Phil. This is what sort of derailed the government politically at the end of last year and, as you just said, came about as a result of a High Court ruling that indefinite detention was unlawful and that forced the Labor government to release people because the law said they couldn't keep them. Uh, And they were sort of caught flat-footed a bit. The coalition successfully capitalised on that politically and the Albanese government ended the year not in great shape. They, they sort of regrouped over summer. We saw them come back, you know, in a blaze with the tax cuts changes and they seem to be riding high. And this week in Parliament, they've been sort of slammed with another political attack on this immigration stuff. And this has come about because this week... The House of Representatives was sitting, but the Senate was in estimates committee hearings. And as part of that, the Home Affairs Department were before the estimates committees on Monday, and they had to table some information, present some information that the opposition had requested, some statistics about these people who released, the the 149. Mm. And some of the statistics were, you know, pretty grim. Seven of them had been, um, you know, 
the statistics were what are they what offences have they been committed previously seven of them had had um were convicted of murder or attempted murder there was sexually based offenders set 37 of those and 72 that had been involved with violent assaults kidnapping or armed robbery so these are not a cohort of particularly savory characters and on top of that after they'd been released these stats revealed that six people had been arrested and charged for offences against the Migration Act. Now, that means they breached the conditions of their release. And you might remember late last year, some of those conditions involved ankle bracelets and the like. And then uh, the, the Australian Border Force reported that 18 people had been charged by state and territory police for various offences. So it seems some people may have committed new offences. Mm. And, that, and that was enough information for the opposition to go in all guns blazing politically, particularly in the parliament. And Andrew Giles, the immigration minister, always looks a little bit like a rabbit in the headlights. And he's a sort of mild-mannered, he has a, a, a quiet and genteel manner, and that doesn't necessarily go over that well when the opposition is uh, is really walloping you with all of this. So it's been a hard week for the co- for the Albanese government with the coalition going mm. very hard on this stuff. Yeah, the problem seems to have been in uh, you know I don't know the detail of this, but the problem the problem appears to be that Mr. Giles and indeed the the public servants who report to him just don't seem to be on the front foot with this. I mean they're reacting the entire time. And well, the that, point... yeah, that's the, that seems to be the problem. Wasn't it? When the High Court decision was announced, the government didn't seem to have any particular plan as to what they were going to do, even though it must have been completely blindingly obvious that, that you know, the High Court decision was a possibility, but they didn't seem prepared for it. And that's the criticism that the coalition is certainly making, that, that they should have been better prepared. And they did seem not well prepared, I have to say, and mm. that, you know, they copped a criticism for that. And again, the coalition is now saying, well, why haven't you made any applications to re-detain people? There is now a process for them to apply legally to re-detain. But it's quite complicated. And the the government is arguing that they don't want to go, well, I think we just heard the minister say before, he doesn't want to make a half-baked application. But in the real world, you've got to move fast, don't yeah, you? Exactly, Otherwise, exactly. politics moves fast, and if you don't move fast, well, and also with all due with all due respect to the public service involved, you know what are they doing? I mean, you'd, you'd think. Well, it- it's a bit hard to know what – I'm sure, to be fair to them, I'm sure it is legally complicated and, and they do want to have a, a brief that is going to succeed rather than one that's going to fail. Mm. Nevertheless, there is a political imperative for the government to move quickly because there's an expectation in the community that if there are people who are allegedly committing recommitting offences, that, that maybe they shouldn't be allowed to roam around. And now that's that seems to be a general which attitude seems fair of the community. Yeah, yeah which seems fair enough uh, as well. I mean, the problem, I mean, the government's, it's a, it's, a, it's a devil of a problem, isn't it? Because it's not as though there's much you can do with these people. I can't, you, can't, um, you can't deport them. Uh, and nor can you keep them in indefinite custody. So No, and, you know, again, to be fair, you know, the opposition is exploiting this situation. They, they should certainly – it's perfectly legitimate to ask questions about it and, and to press the way they, you know, the, the way they are, but they are going very hard and, and pushing it, you know, uh, beyond necessarily to just the basics. And the opposition leader is saying things like, you know, these people should be in immigration detention awaiting deportation. Well, we know they can't be held in indefinite detention because the, the court has 
said that's unlawful. Mm. So you have to find a compromise that doesn't detain the people who don't deserve it, but is uh, is nimble enough to deal with cases where people may have uh, allegedly offended again and pose a risk to the community. And you've got to weed those people out from the from the rest of the cohort who may not be a risk. Uh, and the system just doesn't seem to be moving quickly at the moment. It does not. Karen Middleton is with us, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper. This is the Nightlife News Breakdown. How about this one? Uh, Services Australia has vowed to investigate reports that staff are being publicly shamed for taking longer than five minutes to go to the toilet during a shift. The staff say they're being publicly humiliated and employees have reported having their names and the length of time they're away from their desk displayed on office whiteboards. Really? Independent Senator David Pocock has told Senate Estimates he was stunned when staff reported having the time they took in the bathroom displayed in the office, with others being disciplined for time fraud. The agency's Deputy Chief Executive Jared Howard says staff are monitored to direct traffic, but that does not extend to trips to the bathroom. There will be times where staff will be you know, coached by their, their team leader around you know, um, the fact that they might have been in an auxiliary code for longer than what is expected, uh, but those conversations are sort of standard practice. Mmm, chicken's in the coop, hey? What's the mechanism here, uh, Karen? It's in auxiliary code. In that's auxiliary a, code. That means when you're... When, well, I, I guess when you're away from your desk, you're, you have to... What, your supervisor has to enter a code about where you are? Yes, yeah. So, Philip, this is, you know, sometimes we get a fantastically amazing left-field story coming out of the estimates committee process, and this is your quintessential example of something nobody was really expecting. And it seems we're getting a window into the world of call centres and how call centre operators are required to manage themselves time-wise. And what happens, apparently, is that if you need to go away from your your desk or your phone, in order for the call centre to know how many operators are available or to manage the calls in a timely way, uh, you have to punch a code into your computer to say the reason that you are going. And that will then give you a time for how long you have to be away. It, it tells the system you're going to be away for a certain amount of time. Now, apparently, when you go to the toilet, it's five minutes. And it gives you five minutes and you're supposed to be back in five minutes. Now, Services Australia officials in the in the committee insisted that it wasn't uh, a mechanism to penalise people for taking longer than five minutes and they don't believe that that is happening and they certainly think it's unacceptable if that is happening. It's really meant to just tell the system that in five minutes someone will be back so, you know, they can allocate calls accordingly. Um, but it does seem, according to Senator David Pocock, who's had sort of anecdotal evidence that maybe some people are getting their knuckles wrapped for taking more than five minutes. And the anecdotal evidence is that people are having, as you say, being kind of named and shamed and having the amounts of time that they're taking in the, in the dummy put up on a whiteboard, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't seem very nice to me. Does uh, not seem very nice. No, no. Being treated, no. But you might be a robot, but being treated like a robot is, uh, is, is the worst uh, offence, I would think. Yeah. Now, I don't know if people are, you know, sitting on the loo playing games on their phones or whatever, but uh, Services Australia people say they're going to investigate anyway, Phil, to, to assure themselves that such terrible uh, punishments and humiliations are not occurring there. Yeah, there you go. Karen Middleton is with us from uh, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper. But congratulations in order, Karen, because you're heading to a new job. I am heading to a new job, Phil, yes. Sad, sad to be leaving the Saturday Paper, but excited to have a new opportunity at Guardian Australia hey. in a, in a oh, few well, weeks' time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's terrific news. Bigger audience? 
Thank you. Well, although well, you don't I, get a bigger audience than you do here on Nightlife, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always good to be here, and thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've uh, we always enjoy your insights and experience, Karen. And good luck with the new job. Uh, that's terrific. So perhaps next time when we speak, you will be uh, in situ, will you? Could well be. I'm going to take a couple of weeks break in between, and then uh, mid March or so. I will be in in the new job, still in Canberra, as political editor for the Guardian Australia Bureau. How could anyone want a break from Canberra politics? It seems inconceivable, Karen, but there you are. No, no, you were a resident of Canberra for a while, Phil. I remember it well. How they diss us when they have gone. (laughs) Not me. All right, Karen, good stuff. Well done. Thank you. Lovely to speak. Thanks. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.